Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is episode number 1109 with Russell Brand. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Neuroscientist Dr. Andrew Huberman once said, positive thinking is not about being delusional. It's about learning how to take control of internal processing and knowing it'll shape your external environment. And Priyanka Chopra Jonas said, what you do after failure is how you build a legacy. I am so excited because my guest today is the wise, the talented, the funny Russell Brand, and his career ranges from stand-up comedy and acting to broadcasting and writing. He is the author of the Audible original Revelation, Connecting with the Sacred in Everyday Life, which is extremely inspiring. I just finished it recently and I loved it. And his new weekly meditation podcast, Above the Noise, is available at luminarypodcast.com. And in this episode, we discuss why practicing your values can help you be a part of something bigger than yourself. We talk about fame and what fame has taught him in his life, the three different skills that Russell wishes he knew earlier in his life, what happens when you don't commit yourself to achieving your dreams, why self-doubt can be critical to your awareness, the reality of freedom, and how Russell manages his negative thoughts, and so much more. I think you're going to love this. If you do, make sure to share this with someone who you think would be inspired as well. Spread the message of greatness to a friend. Post it on social media. Make sure to tag me, Lewis Howes, and Russell Brand as well. And if this is your first time here, click the subscribe button over on Apple Podcast or Spotify right now to stay up to date from the latest and greatest on the School of Greatness. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Russell Brand. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness. I'm very excited about our guests. We have the incredibly handsome and wise Russell Brand in the house. Good to see you, sir. Thank you, Lewis. I, uh, I wanted to start with a question that um, is around a quote that I love from Jim Carrey. And he said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. I'm curious, uh, with all the fame, success, money, accomplishments you have, what is the truth you want the world to know about what it all means and what fame actually is? Well, in a sense, you can't really add to Jim Carrey's quote or the theological precedents of it, which are broad and varied, i.e. the material world is an illusion, uh, or the kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth and man sees it not, that no material thing can ever make you happy. Like This idea is like culturally reiterated everywhere and assiduously ignored everywhere. And... Because let's face it, we live in an, a culture that is dominated by economic ideologies, materialistic ideologies, sort of for good and for 
for ill. And there's no question that certain um, markers of progress are worthy of plaudits, i.e. medicine, technology, but they can be, to a degree, false markers of progress. They can mislead us. They can make us, I, I would say, sort of culturally hubristic about our achievements. And whether it's sort of Mongolian culture, the plain people, or what they called the steppe people, who could like were equestrian archers with levels of expertise that like would you'd only get in a circus now that were sort of were practiced by whole armies or the uh, the Jesuit priests that speak like 20, 30 languages, you know, like that there are his historical achievements, moments of greatness that are beyond what our culture values now, that are now neglected, dormant and ignored, precisely because they are at odds with the faith structures that currently define us. We already live in a religious society. We live in a an ideological fundamentalist society that believes in materialism, wealth, consumerism, and necessarily mobilizes our deeper instincts in order to facilitate the advancement of those systems. I.e., you know, any commercial you watch on television that has like families embracing each other at an airport or like a sort of a bit of lens flare as a sort of a mother and child <laughs> look at each other, you know, this is mobilizing what we know to be true. Love is everything. We are all connected. God is everywhere. But those ideas would lead to ultimately to the decimation of many of the cultural institutions that are beneficial to the most powerful people and institutions in society. So those ideas have to be repressed, negated, reframed, diluted and neutered. Beautifully said. I love the uh, your, I love the book, the audio book that you have, uh, Revelation, connecting with the sacred in everyday life. And I love the moment. Um, there was a lot of a lot of vulnerable moments for you, but I love the moment where you talked about towards the end of it, where you went to a homeless shelter, I believe it was, for teens or young boys or young kids, and you were nervous to speak to like 30, 40 random strangers of people who essentially were homeless or had nothing. And you were talking about how your fame really didn't help you in that moment, except for when you talked about, you know, a previous relationship and trying to look cool so you could calm your nerves. What does fame do to people if they don't learn to manage it and have some type of spiritual guidance or some type of higher truth? What does it do to people and how have you learned to manage it at this level from all the different stages you've gone through it? Fame kind of mimics deeper forms of greatness. Fame can feel like being like when if you think of like say even a few hundred years ago or even you know like say Oscar Wilde was kind of like a celebrity and like a legit genius and wit and in much of his writing in particular his writing for children he's talking about divinity and the sublime and sort of beautiful beautiful things and even with his sort of talk about aesthetics and you know being sort of frivolous and glib he's sort of commenting on his culture's infatuation with superficiality and beauty detached from divinity. Or a figure like Byron, who was sort of like a great celebrity of his age, was like potently connected to the forces and powers of nature, both inner and outer. Fame now is, you know, speaking generally, an extension of commerce. 
an, ext an extension of commerce. I'm not saying there aren't famous people that are great. There plainly are. Greatness can be an, an inadvertent factor within fame, but it is not a defining one any longer because greatness so frequently comes at a price. Um, you know, that, that a lot of people in like a corporate and commercial industries don't necessarily want to pay. And look, from like speaking personally, I the reason I wanted to be famous was because I felt insufficient and inadequate as I was. And who knows what choices I would have made if I'd have had access to spiritual principles as a child and as a young man. If people said, look, there's something in you that you've, you've got gifts and stuff. Why don't you explore those gifts in this direction? You know, so I just naturally, because in the absence of that, I took the gifts in the, the dominant direction of our culture. The magnetism of our culture is, you know, if you come from where I come from, Greys, Essex, a, a sort of a ordinary suburban town, half an hour outside of London, low expectation, beautiful, incredible people. I realise that now, now that I've gone back there and visited it, I couldn't see that then because I was too solipsistic and lost in myself <laughs> and my ambition, and my hunger, my drive, my appetites. I've got big appetites, drive, you know, like, and for me, what, what I was kind of told, look at my school, if you're not good at football or fighting, you're nothing. And like, and in the culture at large, if you're not if you don't get yourself some power, you're going to get crushed. You're getting crushed. You're going to a factory or a call center. You're not. That's what that's what life has in store for you. So, you know, for me, it was the it was the answer. It was the answer to the feeling of inadequacy. It was the answer that my culture offered me. That's what it offers you. It's what it offers all of us. Like and we're all bombarded with it. But only a few of us are going to get a you know going to get them golden ticket you know there's just not enough golden tickets to go around and those of us that do get it as Jim Carrey has uh, eloquently articulated are going to recognize its limitations you know we all know there's different category of famous folk we meet there's people that were you know kind of like I was for a while that just sort of face first thrust into it and sort of <laughs> what is this what is this I'm going to experience this like a gargantuan appetite like a stomach on legs and then there are other people that are like you know that sort of seem a bit more circumspect I'm like okay this is crazy I'm just going to focus on the work now I'm lucky that I'm a sort of I'm a, at heart a comedian and I love love comedy and I've as I've gotten older I've realized that, that there's some that the divinity in comedy that comedy is about revelation that comedy requires that you observe that life is a joke Life is a joke. None of this is real. Here I am pretending to be me. You're pretending to be you. We've all got our insecurities and our inadequacies. We know the things we've done. We know the mistakes we've made. We know what we do in the bathroom. We know what we do when we're alone. We know the sort of weird things we've said to people. You know, like all of this stuff. And we put on this mask and this facade. Fame merely being an amplification of that. Fame mimics greatness fame is bolted on to greatness a friend of mine said oh, even in your pursuit of fame it was obvious that what you were after was god was a kind of like but the, the culture doesn't know how to give you god the culture doesn't want to give you god the culture doesn't and what i mean by god i talk now mate about sesame street values sesame street values this is nothing complicated kindness be kind to each other 
if you're kind to each other, everything else is gonna is gonna melt away. You're gonna, like that, that that takes care of. Don't judge people for being different. Don't judge people like, that that all goes out the window. Just if you devote yourself to the simple principle of kindness. The idea of God for me, the idea of God for me is the same idea as as love. That. There is a magnetism towards one another. Yes, there is a revulsion, a repulsion, a competition. There, There is everything has its shadow. Everything has its opposite and beyond opposites, I'm sure. But but there is also love. There is this sense. Uh, and in by love, I mean, and etymologists who, dis, who studied the word love in many languages posit that what we actually mean is union connection i love you i want to be connected to you i love these shoes i've got to have them i love west ham united i want them to do well as i would do well myself you know love of course can get confused and intermingled with lust control a need for approval all sorts of things can get um uh, intermixed with love but you will know love when you are willing to sacrifice, when you see it as something you serve as opposed to something that serves you. This is like, you know, I'm married and sometimes I think with my wife, you know, that my love is about, I want her to take care of me. And I recognize, oh, hold on a minute, that's not love. That's my codependency. That's my neediness. That's the part of me that's still a wounded little boy. But the man in me has to take care of this wounded little boy, not invite or require that other people do it love is when i'm willing to just you know again sesame street values when i'm like i i love you you're what you want is more important than i that than what i want i can't live to those values every day or even all day for one day i fall short all the time lewis i like i like you know it becomes about me and what i want and what i care about and i'm you know and because you know, like, again, many of us are unboundaried and we've lost, we don't have enough. This is why what you are doing with your school of greatness is important because we don't have enough clear, simple principles that seem universal and perennial, i.e. applicable everywhere and timeless, applicable everywhere and timeless. I know we're all different. I know we are diverse. I know we are unique. But most of us have a heart, lungs, kidneys, blood, eyes. Most of us breathe. So is it not likely that there is a kind of universal application on a more sublime level also, that if we are the same organically, is it not likely that the energies from which these organs must surely have evolved are similar to, possibly even one, possibly even the same energy, that the same way as we know that we come from a common ancestor, that we come from a common uh, common energy with a common heart, that our unity is more true than our separation. As the great Terence McKenna says, when the water of illusion drains away, we see that we are all connected. We are all connected. 100%. And you, you talked about healing the childhood uh, wound, uh, feeling inadequate, feeling insecure, feeling not enough, or all, the, all these feelings on your kind of search or yearning for fame and what does this experience look like, this drive to be more connected to love, to God, to that higher thing. When did you feel in your life the most insecure? And when did you fully start to understand how to overcome your insecurities. Many of these negative emotions and feelings have like a wisdom in them, don't they? Because even like the like the most ferocious forms of chemical dependency that I've experienced, crack and heroin addiction, are kind of about 
melt in the boundary of who you are. Look at the idioms around it. Get off your face, get smashed, destroy yourself. That, that on some level, again, using inappropriate means, you are trying to transcend and become free of the self. It's a spiritual impulse. I may have to talk people through that more slowly because it seems sort of stupid to think of some hunched, drunk or junky, slumped, in a doorway as being on a spiritual quest but when you think that spirituality is simply the valorizing of the inner life over the outer life the need to connect the need to feel something truthful and real then anyone that picks up a drink ever or smokes a joint is after a spiritual experience they're trying to feel better man i felt insecure and worthless a lot of times in my life it happens to me again and again and again i'm lucky that i'm an addict because the addiction shows you it takes you to extremes so you're confronted with the fallibility of the choices you're making that, that these choices won't work for you i think a lot of people and i wrote about that you know in like the recovery book are able to struggle along with moderate addictions moderate addictions to food or sex or success or whatever never ever reaching the point of crisis that would facilitate transformation metamorphosis real change real change you know that book revelation i'm telling you about and that moment that you talked about going down to that place in skid row the union mission you know i was doing a craft thing there with my wife my wife does crafts and uh, writes about craft and uh, like creativity and parenting and in mental health and <laughs> Stuff like that. So we went down there. So I was very much just in an assistant role. The first time I went there, yes, it was to talk to them kids. And I felt like I didn't feel qualified and I didn't feel good enough to do it. I felt somewhat ashamed. I felt ashamed of the, like I think I said in Revelation, like about, you know, if you're talking to homeless kids on some level, like, because this union mission, it's the only one of their missions that takes families. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. The others take either men or women or adults or whatever. This one takes whole families. There's a lot of people in there, more than there should be in, in a, any civilized nation. And like, when I was, when you're there, you want to tell them, look, this isn't your fault. It's not your family's fault. You're a byproduct of a economic system that simply cannot generate. Uh, well, it can generate enough wealth, but it doesn't. It doesn't distribute wealth fairly for, for a number of complex reasons. And you at the arse end of that. You know, and I can't explain that to you. It's patronising and somehow dismissive. And but more importantly, that day that I went to do the craft, I sort of saw, or maybe even someone told me it. Maybe I didn't have this realization. Maybe someone said it to me. They don't know they're poor. They don't, they don't have that contextualization they're just children they're just children and it was sort of beautiful and amazing and I, since having kids as i said i don't do what i used to do a lot me i love children i've always loved children i used to get right and i didn't have kids till like i was 40 so i was very much like if i was around other, my mates kids or whatever i'd really play with them and like get into characters with them and do a lot of joyful play and now I've got kids. I can't be bothered with that. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I've got no, I'm not interested, you know. Um, but that day, like I held it down because it was my wife was doing this stuff with the mums and the kids. And I felt the heaviness and I felt the shame of the adults. And I was um, lifted by the joy of the children. And But I held back, you know, like I was just helping them. They were making Play-Doh together and all this kind of stuff and doing these craft activities. And then when that finished, I let myself off the hook a little bit. I let myself be a dinosaur and a monster and be all crazy with these kids and monkey around with them, you know. 
And like they, there was one bit where like all these little five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds, they pulled me to the ground and they was beating me up and stuff. And I sort of looked up for a moment and all I could see, my whole vista was filled with children's faces and they were smiling and they were full of joy. And this is when I felt God is here. God is in this room. Look at this. Isn't There's nothing but joy and love and play and happiness in this lowest of place where people are suffering, poverty, being disregarded, neglected. And the whole room, my whole experience is filled with love. And this is just one moment in time, of course. I know that those children have got whole lives ahead of them and have whole lives behind them. But... In that moment, there was an absolute realisation of something sublime and divine. And for me, this is an important force, an important energy that has to be mobilised, valorised, brought to the forefront, exalted in our culture, made the emblem and the driving force and the raison d'etre of the way we live, not marginalised, neglected to the sidelines so people can plunder the earth and look at the earth as a resource and look at human beings as a resource and fortify systems of elitism. For me, the basic idea, the Sesame Street values, kindness and love, kindness and love, instead of the values you know that currently dominate, selfishness, greed. Right. This is what's at play now. Yeah, I love that you talk about Sesame Street values. I'm a I'm a big Mr. Rogers, uh, you know, values type of guy myself, which are very similar, I guess, in the fact of just be kind to your neighbor and be loving, be be generous. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included but you don't take yada yada in life so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm curious, when have you felt the most loved in your life and when do you currently feel the most loved? Sometimes I think about my wife when I'm not with her. 
Like, because when you're with her, she's just a person. But when I'm not with her, like, <laughs> I, I, I sometimes think, oh, my God, I've found this person. I've found this person that just loves me and doesn't, doesn't care about anything. She's not particularly... You know, I've known people that are very impressed by aspects of my nature and behaviour. Uh, you know, and I can speak fast or whatever and say a lot of stuff and I can be novel. I don't know. My wife doesn't seem to care about any of that. She doesn't. She just sort of sees me as I am, and I feel very at ease. Sometimes the greed in me wants stimulation, excitement, plaudits, fanfare, the carnival of life. But I recognise I have been to that carnival, and <laughs> you know I've had my turn. <laughs> and like it's like it that it doesn't work for me. There's never enough for me. For me, it's the mm. it's the spiritual path. It's the spiritual path, and I think that's true for everyone. But it's not really right for a person that's lived the life I have to be. You know, I feel like um spiritual principles are for yourself, not for other people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like oh oh these are the things that I must do, and other people have got. To, find their path i suppose and like maybe i can sometimes be helpful to people usually directly in an intimate way hopefully i can be helpful in a broadcast way because indeed that's what we're doing but um who who knows i'm not sure that i was i I hope i was helped by you know people talking on the internet or on tv but i can't remember it ever happening (laughs) what is the thing you love about your wife the most my wife She's un. She's strange in a way that you wouldn't straight away notice. She seems because she's she's beautiful, and she's capable and competent, but she's very unusual little person. You know when you're married to someone and you like you know them, you know that after dark they turn into sort of the foulest, most impatient person, or you know, and that they have little ways. What I have in my marriage is a real intimacy, you know, like I have the ability, I don't have to, I can tell, she knows everything. She knows everything about me, you know, and like I I need a sort of authenticity in, in my connections in life, Lewis, because uh, uh, yeah, otherwise it's very, very sort of lonely. So uh, what I love about her, I guess, I love her playfulness, her creativity, her willingness to change, her openness to, con- to conversation. There's like loads of things that I love about her. She's weird and she's a she's a laugh. She's a, a funny person to hang out with. That's beautiful. For the for, for the younger audience who it might be confused about their life, their direction, their purpose, their relationships, and they might be chasing something, they might be looking for fame or power or money, whatever they're looking for. What are three things that you would recommend they prioritize? Uh, in their in their chase, in their journey, in their in their life, what are three things that you wish you would have prioritized that you would share with them, so they don't waste their life away or make you know bad mistakes? Live in service of the thing you claim to love. You know, like if you were saying that you want to be an actor, to make sure that what you don't secretly want is actually I just want loads of attention and power and glory and glamour you know like make sure that you are in service of acting or music or whatever it is and that means you know like 
all of us have gifts and we often use these gifts like we put the gift to work like right gift get out of there and make me some money come make me a star imagine if it was like a little bird or a child or something we have to look after it and take care of it you know me comedy i have always this is the thank god it sort of saved me even before i was switched on sort of spiritually or whatever i and even at my most um keen and needy I always really really loved comedy in a geek way you know I watch a lot of stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. I study sitcoms I learn them I love Monty Python I love Richard Pryor I you know I know my heritage I know the line that I'm walking I study them study them and observe them so when I was doing stand-up comedy which I was for years and years and years before I made any money out of it at all I was becoming practiced and I was in service of comedy. Of course, I also wanted to be a big famous star and I wanted people to love me and I wanted to have lots of opportunities. Of course I did. But, thank you know, I, what could I do, man? I had both things. I had both things. Thank God I had both. You know, if all you've got, if all I'd had had been the appetites, the appetites for the plaudits, the prestige and the privilege, I don't know where I would have ended up. So first I'd say be of service to the thing that you claim to love don't think what about what it's going to give you think about what you can give to it okay that's the first that's the, one that's i've got to do one. three yeah yeah <laughs> if you if you've got three yeah second one is have something away from it like that is not mm. about it cultivate your inner life and your spirit don't allow it to entirely devour you the fact is i think that we are spiritual beings in essence we're the only animal that we know of on this planet that have these complex in us these lives of complex inner subjectivity as far as i know my dog doesn't sort of go oh god that was embarrassing you know what i mean like he just is him well he does sometimes look a bit embarrassed thinking about it but like like you know we, we can't spend our life in continual outward pursuit of an external goal because in all likelihood we're pursuing something spiritual anyway without knowing it we're looking for approval or connection mm-hmm. or power or status or whatever it is you can't get that as we you know we started off with this thematic idea established by your carry quote there mate so you have to have something that's separate from it i would suggest meditate learn how to meditate mm-hmm. practice meditation practice meditation find a form of meditation that works for you don't try to change the rules and say something like, i meditate when i'm on the treadmill or i meditate when i'm gardening sit down with your eyes shut and meditate you can have like guided meditation in fact i do guided meditations on my luminary podcast above the noise you could start there or you could do my on my side channel awakening with russell brand on youtube i do guided meditations on there also um but you know god that's don't stop there Tich Nhat han ram das muji all like great great teachers great teachers available everywhere mm-hmm. meditate meditate you have to cultivate your inner life away from it mm-hmm. that's the second one the third one do you want the third yes please you're very lovely aren't you you're very sort of uh. patient and <laughs> a kind person sincere and sweet um well the third one i would say is make helping other people mm. something that is integral to your life so that you don't get you don't do what i did and become so absorbed in yourself and what you want that when mm-hmm. you get it it doesn't work for you because it was it's meaningless like of so course. like if you if part of your life is helping other people and if you want to go for the black belt in this 
then help other people without other people finding out about it. Ooh. If you can help people privately, no one knows about it. No one knows about the time you volunteer down at the shelter or the thing you do for a particular person that's in need of it. If you can do that, then what you're cultivating there is a relationship with a, a higher frequency of being. Because, of course, kindness or, you know, virtue now, virtue is itself a commodity. There's not a corporation on earth that isn't putting up some flag or another to ally itself to some cause without actually changing its core behaviours and values, just applying the wallpaper of virtue. If you have some virtuous behaviours that are not advertised, that are not known by anyone but you, you know, next time someone calls you out some little voice in you will go mm -mm, i do mm. that thing nobody right, knows right, about right. that yeah i think it's interesting I, i've always been on the mindset of like show some of the stuff you're doing to help others so that you can inspire other people to be like oh okay that's i should do that too or whether it's a donation or showing up and giving time or some of your resources or talent but definitely you don't need to show it all the time i think it's important to show some to inspire and evoke it and evoke it out of others to be like hey listen I'm doing this thing, you know, you know, I'm trying to inspire you to do something in your life that's a cause for you. Um, that's the way I've approached it as well, but I'm, I'm with you on keeping some of it for yourself or not needing to share with others to get, you know, an applause or validation or to be like, you're a good guy or something. Um, yeah, so I, love I like that. that, Lewis, because we can create sort of shared values together, like, mm -hmm. you know, by role modeling for one another, you can inspire others and it's not something you can do alone you know this idea that sort of it like sort of fated or sainted individuals are going to save us doesn't work as well as the idea that collectively we can bring about greatness and change this infatuation with the individual is sort of part of the problem and i think all of us fall prey to it because it seems so real what's as real to you as your own thoughts what's mm -hmm. as real to you as your own pleasure you know, there's legitimate ongoing philosophical debates about whether or not other people are actually even there. You know, the only thing we know for certain is our own existence. So it's easy to fall in that. But if we practice values that appear universal, kindness, again, like, you know, the Mr. Rogers or Sesame Street values, then we're sort of part of something transcendent, part of something bigger than us. We're not continually furnishing our cell ornamenting our mm -hmm. fragile and transient egoic structures. What would you say are three skills you wish you would have learned earlier, whether it be a, a tactical skill, the skill of making money, the skill of meditation and managing your emotions, the skill of, you know, um, learning how to connect with people, the skill of speaking on stage. What skills do you wish you would have learned earlier that would have helped you? I wish I'd learned Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> as a child. That would have really grounded me. Yeah. <laughs> really sort of straightened me out. To have why, why do you think that would ground you? Because I think it gives you a respect for your body and it gives you a respect mm. for other people as well. The thing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is you, you learn what you're capable of, but you also see what other people are capable of. So you like think, wow, I'm kind of, I can do all this stuff, but I oh my God, dude, look at this guy. <laughs> like, I would not have known that. I would not have known from looking at that person that they had those kind of resources. So it, it creates the perfect optimal state, I would say, of like, I would not want to be a person that is an aggressor or looks to create conflict 
but neither am I so anxious about conflict that I'll bend myself into peculiar shapes to avoid it. You know, like, and even, and this is, you know, it's had a positive impact impact on me learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in my 40s. So if I'd learned it when I was sort of 12, I think, and also there are affiliated um, values within martial arts, respect, mm-hmm. hierarchies that are fair and just and earned, uh, camaraderie, physical contact in a, in a clear and uh, consensual and boundaried way. I mean, it's just so full of great values. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like that martial arts in general, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is one I know are like, um, you know, are like, like wonderful communities. And that also, also as well, you put aside who you are. You put aside who you are when you enter into it. You know, I do try and use my personality sometimes on the mat, like, come on, hey, <laughs> don't charm people a little bit, but it's only moderately successful. Okay, so that's, that's one skill. I wish I'd learned abstinence and the principles of 12-step recovery, which of course mm. encompass quite a lot of values. The principles of recovery, because even before I was a, a, a drug addict, you know, so sort of abstinence-based recovery, I wish I'd learned abstinence-based recovery. Because even before I was addicted to crack and heroin, the way that I was eating chocolate, the way I was watching pornography, the way I was obsessed with girlfriends, the way that I was sort of a clingy little dude, you know, like all of these things, the idea that... I can have a connection to a God of my own understanding that I can be to a degree sufficient, that I am I am not God. I'm not the most important person in the world all the time, but also I'm not scum. I like um I don't have to bow and scrape before anybody. I have values, but I don't need to always, as they say in the some of the great literature, uh, scrambling to be on the top of the pile or hiding underneath it. You know, like being happy to be just a person among people, not always seeking to sort of somehow either fate, isolate or separate myself. You know, being happy to be part of a community or part of a group or part of a family. The 12 step recovery has so many beautiful principles. The idea of God and the idea that we all have equal access to God, the idea of fellowship, fraternity, sorority, brotherhood, and sisterhood between us, the idea of service of one another, the idea of being honest and authentic about who we are, surrender, acceptance. So I would say the skills of 12 step recovery, yes, that would be mm-hmm. the second one. Okay. The third one, what would be. Another thing, I mean, I really sometimes, like every day I think about, I, I wish I spoke another language. I Every day I think Gosh, it, man, so it's I, funny to say that because for 20 years, Russell, I've been, at the end of every year, I look back and say, okay, what am I proud of that I created and, and what do I regret that I didn't do that I wish I would have done? Every year for 20 years has been, I wish I would have learned Spanish. Hmm. And Spanish is the one I want. And for, because... And every year I try. Every year I'm like, okay, I'm going to download the latest app. Download gonna, the app. I'm going to get the book. I'm going to try this new program. Someone said, this is the program that'll work for you. You'll be fluent in three months, all this stuff. And it gets so hard for my brain within the first few days. And I'm like, I'm just not smart enough. I can't figure this out. It hurts. I've got all these other things going on. And I end up giving up on myself. And every year- The last year, one I did. I'm yeah, sorry which, to which one? Which one? Which app did you try? Just trying to find it. Like I really got quite far in. I was pretty pleased with myself. I was doing well. Is this Babel? Babel. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was doing well. And then it got into this sort of this area of grammar that was so complex. <laughs> this is the same as saying this. I was like, what? That's so hard. I can't even, I can't find an equivalent for that in English. And I don't, you, look, if you've been doing this for 20 years, you must be the same as me. You must be like, you know that you're going to have to go somewhere where you've got no choice. You've got to go to Argentina or Cuba or Madrid or whatever, <laughs> and then fully get down with it. Because well, yeah. otherwise... Exactly. Well, here's the thing. What I realized is I kept losing integrity with myself because I kept wanting to do it. I kept saying I was going to do it. And then every year I wouldn't do it. And I kept feeling like less and less confident within myself. And so I either needed to kill the dream and say, I no longer care about this dream and let it go and say, that's not for me in my life. Or I needed to commit to it. And six months ago, I said, I'm hiring a tutor three days a week. I'm making scheduling the time in the calendar. I'm going to make it a commitment. And... The first four months were miserable. It was, I didn't feel like I was learning a thing, but now month six, I feel like I'm still not good, but I'm like, it doesn't hurt my brain as much. And I could see, okay, you know, in, in three, five, seven years, I could become a lot better. I could have a conversation and, and feel proud of it. And it's tough. I get up, at, you know, I do it at 8 a.m.s and um, sessions, but it's like, I don't want to feel you know, not confident and proud of myself by wanting this thing and always putting it off. So, well yeah, done. I think it's either a full immersion or finding a tutor and just saying, okay, three days a week or five days a week, I'm doing this and sacrificing something else. But it's, it's, been, it's been powerful for me. I don't know if you're similar to this. When I take something on, I want to be the best at it within a day. I want it to be great. I want to do things that I'm good at. And this is something that humbles me. It's like being in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the first time, probably. Yeah. It's like uh, I'm on my back getting pinned every moment, no matter what maneuver I try to do. And uh, you just got to say, okay, I'm here to learn. You know, I know nothing and have a beginner's mind. So <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a humbling yet powerful experience because I haven't been able to use the skill, but I know it's helping me learn and connecting the dots on things. And it's just uh, I feel proud even if I never use it, just because I've been doing it and it's something I want to do. So, why don't I've got a few questions? One is how long are your sessions? Uh, they're an hour long, three days a week right now. Yeah. Why don't you book some kind of trip where you're going to get to use it? Um, yeah, I mean, my girlfriend's uh, Mexican, so she she speaks <laughs> Spanish too. So I uh, so I practice with her, and I go visit her and her family, and, and no one speaks English in her family. So when I'm with her and her family, I'm forced to practice. So, you know, doing more of those trips will be helpful. I've been in love. When I was a younger man, I was in love with a woman from one from El Escorial near Madrid. And like, uh, like I went and stayed with her family. And I guess like, because I um, feel comfortable speaking English, you know, I feel like such a moron when I can't like when I don't have that. When I don't have language, I feel nude and just helpless. And it, it kills me, man. I like I love being able to I've got little I've had the thing is as well Spanish a bit like you I've had points where I've said like, hold on I'm getting there I'm getting there and then I don't yeah. do any of the atrophies into nothing then I had another girlfriend um, who was from Barcelona who just was so magnificent and she was like worked in Ibiza and I would go and see her and I would get a little bit closer to understand it I'd get all inspired I mean I love like Spanish people Latin people yes. I love the language and the culture and I really you know I'd love love to I'd love to be Spanish. You've actually lived with a Mexican person. You, <laughs> <laughs> you need to sort it out, Luis. I know. I'm practicing. But it's also, you know, you're, you're a father. You're, well, you're, 
you know, you're speaking English to your family all day. You're speaking on podcasts and interviews all day in English. So you're not, even if I went there, I'd still have to run my business and be speaking in English 10 hours a day. So it's figuring well, out. Could you and your partner go to Mexico for like six months? Yeah. I mean, she wants me to live there with her. I mean, she wants me to move there, but I'm like, my team is here. You know, I want to, you know, I like doing stuff in person and interviews and this is the this is my mission right now is to serve humanity. Where are you? Los level. Angeles. Yeah. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. LA. And so it's... You know, I could do it, and I could go That's for a couple months. That's meant to be sometime. Mexico anyway. The line crossed I us. I know. I mean, I mean, I think there's 70 million people that speak Spanish in the USA as well. So I practice here and there, but definitely full immersion would be the the fastest way. I just got to either commit to that or, you know, take the long road. So either way, I'm doing the three days a week. So well done. I didn't mean to sort of because um, that no is. Problem. I think I was deflecting from my own feelings of envy and shame because <laughs> I was actually on the walk that I was having this morning. I was thinking you could get a tutor. Like I said, like I struggle. I'm the same as you. If I'm not good straight away, and that you know that's why oh, yeah, so I do hard. deserve props for the BJJ. If I'm not good because I wasn't good straight away, and I'm still a beginner at a blue belt, you know, like it. I don't like it because I've got a few things that I'm competent at, the stand-up comedy or acting mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, I like to stay in that. And also, I, I guess when I was being nourished or gr when I was growing up as a kid, I didn't feel confident to be not good at stuff. I felt very ashamed of not being good at football, not being good at fighting. Like, those kind of things felt like a, it felt like a big deal to not be good at those things, you know? So... Yeah, I'm not that patient and tolerant with myself. Of you know, And it's a kind of self-love, isn't it? To go, okay, we're going to gently learn Spanish. We're going to gently learn the ukulele. You have to learn how to be your father, the father to yourself, don't you? To just go, okay, it's okay. Don't worry. We're going to take our time with this. You know, it's, I it's not my easy. own kids, I wouldn't be going, get on with it. <laughs> learn it. You're useless. <laughs> well, I love, the, I love the quote or the meme that I see online. I reference this a lot. And I'm not a parent, but you might recognize this. Um, these moments, there's a, some meme or saying that's like, you know, when a child is learning how to walk who falls down a thousand times, the child doesn't think to himself, maybe this walking thing isn't for me. The, the child just, you know, figures it out and stumbles around and hits its head on the ground or scrapes its elbow and bloodies up and smashes its nose or, and then it learns to hold onto the couch, I'm assuming. And it doesn't say maybe this walking thing isn't for me after a thousand falls. It just keeps going. So I no, think uh, same with the language impulse. You're quite right. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm torn, Lewis. I don't know whether to entirely give up on myself and dedicate it all to my daughters, or to just have one last crack at this Spanish with the tutor method that you have described. What do you? What do you? What are your thoughts on this? Having a dream that is inside of your soul for years that you never fully commit. To. You never. You dabble. Again, like we've done so much in so many things, we dabble, but never fully commit to what does that do to us if we continue on for the rest of our life 
never fully going all in on our dreams. I think it obviously reinforces the, the idea of incompetence or it reinforces the idea that you are incapable of following through. And I feel like you we have an obligation to follow that or, as you say, put it put it aside entirely. And what's the, you know, look, we all know in the grim economies of our lives, if we were to put aside staring at some goddamn senseless social media platform and give that time to learn in Spanish... We'd speak Spanish by now. Or, we'd be fluent you know, so like, in four languages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I, you have to be willing. That's why someone like, you know, Tony Robbins is so sort of, you think, because that man, he just makes those choices. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever heard him tell the story about how he, like, learned polo? He's just like, that's the way yes. to say it. I want to yeah. learn polo. Oh, I'm fucking ill. Like, every time I come, <laughs> whenever I'm walking my dog, I feel like, and uh, I, I'm friends with Tony, and I've told him this. I say, like, whenever I'm walking my dog or anything, like, I feel like, oh, this is not... Um, Tony wouldn't be doing this. Tony would be learning something now. Well, you know, you could be learning Spanish while you walk the dog. <laughs> you know, like, he, I mean, he's powerful, but he is a, <laughs> he's a one-off, let's face it. Yeah, I just actually interviewed him again yesterday and it reminded me that he learned, I think, to become a black belt, like, while he was on tour for two or three years, and he was like... I did it the fastest time anyone's been a black belt. I had the master come on stage and like behind the scenes, in between sessions, I would spend 45 minutes, then go back on stage. I was like, you're an animal. The commitment is unbelievable. What was that? Like, what martial art is that? I think he just learned, I think he learned karate. I think it was what, this was probably decades ago when he was oh, like, man. I'm going to learn this, but I'm on tour. And he brought the guy with him to just teach him all day in between on stage. So it's One of the things I level. most admire about him is that he's the way that he will identify an objective and then not be restricted by sort of our conditioned, either emotional or cultural responses. You know, admittedly, we're talking about someone with some incredible resources. Yes, we are now. But the reason he's got those resources is because of this ability that he will just go, okay, I'm going to learn that thing. Never put aside all of the, yeah, there's not time, there's not this, there's mm-hmm. not that. You know, he eliminates I mean, excuses. He just he says there is no room, and he goes all in on his desires. It's it's pretty powerful. Uh, Tony, you exhausting genius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things I think that holds a lot of uh, people back, myself included, is when we doubt ourselves, when we, when we don't believe in our, in our own abilities or what we're capable of creating in the future. What do you think are some ways that we can overcome self-doubt in ourselves to gain that real confidence, not fake confidence, um, but overcome the doubts that hold us back from, you know, asking that person out or going after that career opportunity or just saying, I'm going to go after what I want in my life. What are some ways to eliminate that self-doubt and gain confidence? Well, Self-doubt can be critical, Lewis, because it can be a component of awareness. I feel that the answer must always be the embarkation on a spiritual life because uh, it's difficult, isn't it, in this world of personal development that we find ourselves in for us not to take on the tropes and objectives of a culture that I think at this point we need to be querying querying and looking to move away from. We've all been deeply inculcated to believe that the pursuit of happiness is contingent upon the attainment 
of our petty, trivial desires. <laughs> but real happiness is contingent on being free from those petty, trivial mm-hmm. desires. As long as I'm a prisoner to that, like, you know, see if someone's like that, that doesn't know, you know, don't can't pluck up the confidence to ask someone out or can't pluck up the confidence to pursue their dream or whatever. For me, I don't feel like it's my job to operate at that, that, that intersection, at the intersection of, well, come on, believe in yourself. You're as good as anyone else. You'll never know unless you try. You know, I don't think that's my job. My job is like, why do you think you want this? What do you think it's mm. going to do for you? What do you want really? What do you really want? What do you really want? What is it you are looking for? You know, a friend of mine observed once that in the 1980s, the prominent sort of entrepreneurs were all about zipping about on speedboats and whooshing through the skies in hot air balloons, intrepid, bold adventurers. The very same tycoons now are all about greenness and ecology and safety and helping, responding to the trends that define a time, this time now of apparent fragility. I think our job is to look for some truth beneath culture, that culture in many cases is not our friend. Culture is here to chain us to systems of tyranny, subtle tyranny. What is freedom really if it is only freedom to operate within certain parameters? It isn't freedom at all. I'm not saying I wouldn't rather be a person who is affluent in California than a person that's sort of poor in, I don't know, Tehran or Senegal or, you know, I'm going to be poor anywhere, frankly. It's pretty grim to be poor in anywhere in the world. I've been poor in places before. But I don't feel like our job is to train people to bend themselves into a shape where they can succeed within these systems. I think our job is to train people so that they learn to challenge these systems, to create fairer systems that are not solely Mm -hmm. built upon the fulfilment of individual goals. My friend Adam Curtis, the great filmmaker and genius says the genie is out of the bottle now on individualism it's never going back in you're never going to be able to tell people hey why don't you forget your own identity you're just a member of a community of a collective of a parish you know that's not going to happen now everyone nothing is as real to you or i as our own thoughts as our own dreams as our own but that's just the way it is now but perhaps through this we can attain some meaning and if i refer back even to my own suggestions serve the thing you are pursuing you know if it's like you really want to go out of a boy or a girl why are you looking to serve them or do you think they're going to somehow solve or absolve you you see them as some salve or if you're after some dream why is it because you don't feel like you're good enough or you're worthy you know one of my friends said like to me that you're like someone who's been up to the all you can eat buffet table stuffed your face full of everything and then then going to everyone else you don't need this stuff (laughs) you don't need it this this cake won't work for you but, You've done you know, it, yeah. but, <laughs> but I have had this experience. So you know, you know, anyone that's saying, "Well, that's easy for you to say," then yeah, god damn it, they're right. Well, it wasn't that easy to get here. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. And like, so, but what I would say is, this is I would say, I would say this that you are beautiful, that you are mm. enough, that you deserve to feel content and happy, but you have to be willing to surrender everything. You have to be willing to surrender everything. You have to be willing to accept that what you think you should get might not be right. Where did it come from, that idea? Where did that idea that, you know, because if you are meant to be a world-class athlete, if you 
get on and do, you know what I mean, do the Tony Robbins version of get on and do the work. Don't let anything stand in your way. Believe in it. Be willing to suffer, have the discipline, make the sacrifices, then that's all sort of cool. But if the only reason you're becoming a world-class athlete is because your father told you you're not good enough and that you're cheap and you ain't no kind of a man mm-hmm. or woman or whatever, then pff, that you're going to need to deal with that shit. Otherwise, right. you're going to end up strung up in a hotel room one way or another, you know, because it doesn't... Like, you know, like you and I both know enough people. Like, I've... Having experienced the type of celebrity that I experienced... I've met people that, as I'm sure you have, that are in at the apex, the zenith. They have mm-hmm. enjoyed it. They've been to Kublai Khan. They've had it. They're in there drowning in riches and drowning indeed because mm. it's not real. Mm. It's not real. Never lose sight of the fact that we are in limitless space in every direction. Never lose sight of the fact that in the subparticular world, the rules of physics as we previously understood them are falling apart. Never lose sight of the fact that our senses are limited and we can only seen 0.63% of the electromagnetic range, that we are operating essentially in darkness, that the neural activity that we experience that constitutes our reality is only a tiny percentage of the potential of our own brain, let alone the potential brain of God. Wouldn't it be a coincidence Mm. if we were issued with all of the senses necessary to experience total reality? Isn't it more likely that we think of reality as just being the circumference of our sensual world? So there are limitless experiences as yet Unhead and many uh, 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 unhad and many of them lay in the realm of mystery. Engage mm. with the mystery, meditate, pursue these spiritual disciplines. Don't rely entirely on the material path. This is not like you know neglect the body or hate the body. Love the body. We are in this material world. We are God made flesh. We are having this experience in bodies. But I don't think you can take what this culture is offering you as a solution and think that it will be a solution. You'll be disappointed the map is not the territory the map is not the territory when you get there it's not like that it's not like that so you start where you are start with you now absolutely absolutely i have about 17 more hours of questions but i'm going to ask you about four final questions to respect our time and maybe we can do another follow-up in the future with the next book you have this book revelation I, it's hard for me to finish books. It's really hard for me to finish them with, a, you know, growing up with a learning disability, reading and writing was not my forte. Um, but I finished it and it was beautiful. It was unbelievable spoken uh, word poetry. Uh, and I, I, don't know how, I don't know how you do what you do. It's an incredible gift and a talent and people just need to listen, listen to it just to hear how talented you are as a spoken uh, word artist. It's unbelievable. But the way you were able, we had many, and many of the people that you mentioned throughout there, I've had the fortune of knowing and interviewing Wim Hof and all these other individuals. Yeah, I went to Poland. I took 13 guys to Poland last year and did five days with Wim and, you know, have had him on many times and had some great kind of spiritual experiences in Poland with him playing the guitar, singing and us jumping in ice rivers and climbing up mountains naked in the snow and, you know, crazy stuff. That we that we did together, our friend Jay Shetty connected us, and I've done you know many weeks in India meditating at different places, and I'm on a constant journey for myself, and that's why I really wanted to have this conversation with you. And there's many things I want to ask you, uh, hopefully for another time. But I grew up in a religion called Christian Science. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Christian Science, but there's a uh, it's a lot about the things you've been talking about and the things you talk about in your 
in your audiobook on Audible. Um, and one of the things that the founder, her name is Mary Baker Eddy, said back in the 1800s was Stan Porter at the door of thought. And that really stood with me as a child growing up in this religion. I'm no longer really active in the church or anything, but the foundation is still with me of the mindset. Stan Porter at the door of thought. And I'm curious, how do you manage negative thoughts when they try to enter your mind? What's your practice beyond meditation and the things you talk about in your book and your YouTube channel, which is incredible, but how do you really navigate negative thoughts that come, come into mind, the thoughts of addiction, the thoughts of lust or greed or fame or whatever the things that are coming to you that you've tasted, this buffet you've tasted for years, how do you manage that? Well, Lewis, what I do is I don't try and do it alone. You know, like I think that's a very beautiful piece of uh, language and a lovely experience you just shared with me, mate. And the way that, like, I experience negative thoughts a lot. I experience a lot of fear and, uh, you know, like all of the things that you've listed. Here's a very practical way that I deal with it. I'm like, I felt like I was looking at social media too long in particular. Like, you know, I'm like... When I do YouTube videos, I feel like I'm justified in checking, oh, how many views did it get, you know, and what are the comments? But I work with people that can handle that. I'm not qualified to handle that sort of stuff because otherwise I get, I go into a point where I'm sort of numbed by it. Like, it's not like the, the people saying nice things really helps me or the people saying bad things really hurts me. It's like a sort of a numb, dumb stare. And so, like, I sort of, you know, then someone reached out to me who's like a famous uh, uh, musician she sort of told me I'm like looking at stuff too much and I goes all right well from now on right one day at a time me and you whenever we're thinking about doing that let's reach out to each other you know and like so I start doing it with her hey I'm thinking of doing it now and we talk about the feelings that we have and what it elicits in us mm. when we want to do it and what it feels like to not do it you know if you want to know if you're addicted to something see what happens to you when you stop doing it then you will know. Then you will know. Oh, I'm not, I could stop any time. Stop then. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> and like then, oh my God, I'm ashamed. I'm full of fear. Ah! <laughs> and then like, you know, similar with uh, pornography. If I don't want to mm -hmm. look at pornography, but you know, not judgment on anyone else who does, but like for me, if I think, oh no, I don't like how I feel, how it accumulatively makes me feel, then... I make a choice that I'm going to reach out to someone else who's you know, sometimes it helps specifically with that thing. You know, like I've done it before with someone like my mate didn't want to like eat no more bad food. And I, I was cool with food at that time. So I was like, well, I don't want to look at porn. So if I'm when I want to look at porn, I'll check you, you with the food. You know, so we do it like and it's not even that's non hierarchical, by the way. We're both sort of people that are just sort of trying it and trying to improve ourselves together. I also have mentors that I've, evidently you do like the further down the path than me and like you know for me i tend to use the mentors in a with a broader you know with a broader strokes like you know this is how i'm feeling about family this is how i'm feeling about being a man this is how i'm feeling about fatherhood work whatever it is you know i check in with them and then you've got to listen to them then you already like see if you you know if you have the privilege of access to people like wim hoff or tony robbins and you ask tony robbins what should i do and then tony robbins tells you do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, like, you know, and then like, then you're suddenly, you've got Tony Robbins' brain then. You're mm. running off of that. You know, now like, a lot of the time, what Tony Robbins tells you <laughs> might be <laughs> unachievable. <laughs> okay, all you got to do is become a black belt in world realm. Oh, 
fucking hell tell me something easier like you know like or like you know sort of like with um you know with Wim Hof or whatever all these sort of peculiar yogis and genii we've lost sacredness broadly speaking in our culture that's what that book is about how do you reconnect mm-hmm. with sacredness after we've sort of decided all oh, those ideas they're old fashioned they don't really work they're not for me or they've become compromised by their own you know, hypocrisy or dogma or whatever it is you know I like you've got like for me it becomes find it everywhere find it everywhere find every conversation what is the sacredness what is the beauty of the person that you are dealing with what mm-hmm. is your job in this moment are you taking or are you giving like yeah. and um I have to legitimately ask myself these questions all the time because, and you know, God, the only advantage that I have over someone like Tony Robbins is I think like I'm still in it. Like, you know, I talked to Tony Robbins or Eckhart Tolle or whoever, and I think, my God, these people are like in their own ways, transcended masters. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, it's like if you're asking, you know, sort of a Maradona about football, like, you know, God rest his soul, like, you know, like he can't tell you what he does. He doesn't know how he does that. No one knows. That's the, like the point of it. You know, like, but, but some of us is like, look, I'm on, like every day I know like you know like I think I say in in, in that book I certainly say it places like you know Eckhart Tolle he lives there he lives in the awakened state moment to moment fully present return to the present like you know he's sort of like he says the second he comes off the stage from talking that experience is done that's it you can never be happy in the conceptual mind whenever you're thinking anything whenever you're comparing or projecting you the conceptual mind will always make you unhappy it can't make you happy you know like that and like so but for me i go to those places lewis i get there but I come back all the time. I come right, back for right, the right. chocolate. I come back, you know. I feel, <laughs> oh my God, glory of God, we're all one. Right, I'm just going to have a bit of chocolate or have a wank. You know, like, I <laughs> can't, can't get out of the mud. You know, right, like the right. mud the is in me. Mind. Yeah, the monkey mind. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Uh, two final questions, if that's cool for you. Um, of course. I want people to get the audio book. It is, uh, if you want to be, first off, you're extremely entertaining and you're wise. And you're educational and informative. So if you want to be all those things at once, then get the book Revelation, Connecting with the Sacred in Everyday Life. Uh, if you like the School of Greatness content uh, and you want someone who can share these ideals in an even more funny and entertaining way, then you're going to love this book. Um, and make sure to check out Russell on YouTube, Instagram. I mean, your stuff is is really inspiring on in all those places. Uh, this is a question I ask everyone towards the end, these two final questions. This is called the three truths question. And I'd like you to imagine a hypothetical situation, Russell, where it's your last day on earth many years away. You get, to live as long, you get to live as long as you want to live and you get to accomplish or be or not do whatever you want to do. But for whatever reason, you got to take all of your written and video work with you. Audio, written, video work, all your content that you've ever made has to go with you. Movies, this podcast, everything, to the next place, wherever that is. And you only get to leave behind three things you know to be true, three lessons that you would share with the world. Maybe these would be the lessons you share with your daughters, or maybe this would just be to the world. What would you say would be those three truths? Oh, no, this is terrible. I'm so devastated even by the framing of the question. (laughs) (laughs) I can't cope anymore. Um, I'd say... That you are, you know, I would say you do not spend your life, don't think that you can medicate yourself with anything external, whether that's something as obvious or drink or drugs or relationships. Know that it's within you. It's within mm. you. You already have it. You're, there's nothing to get and you already have it. I would say that you, you must learn a spiritual practice and you must learn a bodily practice. 
if this that's it if there's only three things is you already have everything you need get a spiritual practice and have a bodily practice you know and like and, and i think that that would be enough and the fact is isn't it for all of our um for all of the discursiveness the the grandstanding and rambling the life is simple it's mm-hmm. simple but there's complexity in the variation but the, you know the the fact that these universal truths continue to emerge lewis to me suggests that there is some value in them the recurrence of archetypes in dreams and mythology suggests that there is a, a truth in them so for me yes it would be the like that all myth all story is uh, allegorical for the psychic journeys of the self it's all taking place in the self this is what's i think been under, misunderstood about you know in the sort of critique of fairy tales say is that you are the that who regardless of your sex or gender you are the king and the queen and the princess and the, all, all of those you, the, all of those are energy systems within a human being the collaborative occasionally competing energy systems that make up a whole person so everything is within you that you get to reform yourself and make yourself and that you need a spiritual practice i.e. that it's like a set of principles and values and my one i suppose i would suggest would be the the 12 steps of recovery and a bodily practice so i guess i would say do the 12 steps do jujitsu know that there's nothing to get yeah before i ask the final question russell i want to acknowledge you for the way you show up i think uh someone who's lived the life that you've lived and decided to make a change and decided to heal decided to stand against addiction in many different areas and then be of service to how you can help as many people as possible through showing up in your work your writing your teachings I acknowledge you for that shift because I think it's easy to stay stuck in a pattern that feels good momentarily, but uh, you you continue to show up and be a stand against addiction and in service to other people. And I think that's a, a beautiful gift that you have. So I really acknowledge you for all you're doing right now. I hope we can have you come back on in the future and, and talk about many other topics that I didn't even get to scratch the surface on. Um, so I acknowledge you for that. And Thank is there you. Any, of course, is there anything else that we can do to support you besides getting the book and checking out YouTube and supporting you on these places, your podcasts, which are amazing. Anything else we can support you before I ask the final question? Yeah. Luminary, like uh, my under the, my podcast is on luminary. Uh, I do two on there. There's under the skin where I have amazing conversations with some of the people that we've spoken about, Wim Hof, Tony, but also Jordan Peterson, Edward mm-hmm. Snowden, Marianne Williamson. Like I have like deep mad chats on there. And but and also now above the noise, my weekly guided med- guided meditation podcast. That is my monetized platform. It's like two ninety nine a month if you get it like annually. The YouTube stuff I do is obviously free, but that that platform is uh, that's good stuff. It's important to me. Um, but also if people can't afford it, there's free stuff on YouTube for sure. We'll make sure to link all that stuff up and make sure you support Russell because his stuff is very inspiring and insightful, and he's just a Funny guy. You know, if you can learn and, and uh, laugh at the same time, I think that's a, that's a powerful thing. That's, uh, that's spirituality right there. Final question for you is what's your definition of greatness? Greatness, become you. Become you. Don't become the obstacles. Don't allow the obstacles to define you. The obstacles can be in and out. The obstacles can be your own desire, lust, fear. The obstacles can be a culture that needs you to be a, uh, to be commodified, that needs you to be a consumer. 
Become you, become who you are. Greatness can't be judged by any external metric, although that is where it can be most vivid. We know what a great athlete looks like. We know what a great singer looks like. I suppose the glory of sport is that it eliminates a lot of subjectivity. Either you score the goal or you don't. Either you beat the time or you don't. Art, dance, singing acting you know we can all we all have our favorites but when it comes to personal greatness become who you are when you were talking Lewis about the sort of frustration around like learning and not learning the Spanish it's like because you're not becoming who you are there's something in you saying learn Spanish learn Spanish <laughs> and you're going no oh, no I've got time I'm not going to do it you know like so but like you know but we have to be rigorous with ourselves make sure that we've not got sort of that we're not got uh, barnacles of conditioning clinging to the hull of who we really are we have to actualize self-actualize and in a sense we're all going to arrive at the same place we have to be a channel of the peace and of the light we have to be of service we accept our flaws and fallibility if the entrance price is perfection then none of us can pay it but greatness truly understood and truly achieved is to actualize what it who it is that you were supposed to be that there is a teleology that there is a purpose that there we understand with a tree we would never tr- query that a tree is going to grow into itself if it gets the right soil and the right water in like the actualize yourself as we can identify that in dna and in the fingerprints there is uniqueness actualize that y- uniqueness recognize where the obstacles are find mentors that can guide you past those obstacles have a program that's not based just on the actualization of your individualization in a disconnected and remote way no point achieving enlightenment on a mountaintop and no one gets fed or clothed you know do it in service do it in service of a higher thing this is greatness i think to become Mm. this thing russell appreciate your time thank you so much for being here man thank you thank you that was so lovely thank you a lovely conversation Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, do me a favor and share this with a couple of friends right now. You can copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this episode or use the link lewishouse.com slash 1109. Text a few friends, post it on social media. Make sure to tag Russell Brand and myself as well over on Instagram on your stories while you're listening. And and again, if this is your first time here, click the subscribe button on Apple Podcast or Spotify right now and leave us a review with the part you enjoyed the most from this episode. We'd love to read those reviews and we share them in our weekly greatness newsletter as well to our audience. And if you want to be inspired every week with text messages sent to your phone from me to keep you motivated and on track with your goals every week, then text the word podcast to 614-350-3960 right now. And I want to leave you with this quote from Maya Angelou who said, be present in all things and thankful for all things. And no matter what you're going through right now, whether you're having a a season of abundance or a season of a drought in your life, or maybe you're struggling in one area, your health, your relationships, or maybe something is really thriving, no matter what's going on, be present and grateful in it all. Everything is teaching us a lesson and it's our opportunity and it's our obligation to learn what that lesson is, to apply it in the moment, continue to grow and improve our life, to be good to the people around us and make the biggest impact that we can. I'm so grateful for you and if no one's told you lately i want to remind you that you are loved you are worthy and you matter and you know what time it is it's time to go out there and do something great
Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.